Hey everybody, welcome back to 30-something with Sunny. I am so glad you're here. This is the podcast where we talk all about motherhood, self-care, and second chapters, reinventions. We all go through that. All right, so today's episode is part two of a really long and really amazing interview I did with Annie Tevelin. She's the founder of the skincare brand Skin Owl, and she is also the host of the Off the Record podcast, where she and her guests dig deep and get vulnerable on all of life's big topics. So in the first episode with Annie, which aired actually two weeks ago, we talked skincare and beauty, specifically her issues and battle with cystic acne, what tools you can use to depuff your face. You know how if you wake up in the morning, especially if you have any allergies or sinus issues, you can kind of feel and look congested. We talk about the tools you need to fix that. We talk about how and why she started her company, Skin Owl, and you get very specific directions on how to use these amazing tools. So I encourage you to check that out for sure. In this episode, though, we talk about the other big job in Annie's life, which is being a mother. There is so much talk on social media about the experience of motherhood, and it looks different for all of us. So Annie talks about why she believes it's so important to stay real and raw about our journeys. And she talks about what it's like so far with her just under one-year-old Monty. She's my people. She's real. If you like following people on social media who will give you a peek into every dimension of their lives, not just the good stuff and the fun stuff, Annie's your girl. Um, you just feel like you know her as soon as you start talking to her. I know you will love this episode, her take on all things motherhood and more. Enjoy. And as always, I will be back on the flip side to tell you where to find her and her company on social. All right. So I want to talk and I may actually end up breaking this episode into two parts because I wanted to focus a little bit on the mother, your motherhood journey too. Um, you have really brought so many um, thoughts that I have had personally into words on your podcast, on your Instagram. And um, I want to hear about your motherhood journey. Kind of take us back to getting pregnant, trying to get pregnant and that whole experience. And um, and we'll kind of walk through it because you're still in the first year too, which is a batshit year. So I want to hear about that. But I want to start from the beginning because um, I think a lot of women don't understand when you're trying to have, a, I didn't know this, when you're trying to have a family, you think all the craziness starts after you have the baby. But in fact, my feelings of insecurity and self-worth were being chipped away at when I was trying to get pregnant and I couldn't. Yeah. It was a short period, but it devastated me in every sense. So I wanted to know if you had a similar experience and talk us through from that point. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting if I'm, you know, my most honest, I wouldn't say that um, being a mother was something that I always knew that I wanted. Um, it was just kind of this like dull maybe. Um, and you know, you're a kid and you're like, yeah, of course you want kids. And then you get older and it's like, wait, am I supposed to be having kids now? And if so, why am I not feeling that pull, especially when this person person, this person are, is feeling it. And they were like born to be a mother. And I just, I wanted to grow a business. I wanted to move to LA. I wanted to do all these other things. Plus I was married before and that marriage lasted 13 months. And so when you get divorced at 35, the timeline gets pushed. You know what I mean? Mostly in Los Angeles, you're like, okay, I'm 35 now. Now I need to find, now I need to find someone and then we need to have children. And then maybe that person, you know, hopefully they want children. Like you, I didn't think that I was going to get pregnancy because everything got pushed. And so, 
Um, I met my husband, uh, you know, a year after my, you know, within the year of my divorce and he had also been divorced. And I think that both of us came into this relationship knowing exactly what we didn't want in a partner and knowing some of the things that were non-negotiable. And for me that, you know, and I think for, we both share in this, it was a compatibility and it was connection and it was laughter and it was friendship and, um, and so, you know, very quickly we knew that we wanted children together and I knew that he was going to be an amazing father and friend. And so um, we, you know, we tried before we were engaged, um, we got pregnant um, and unfortunately we miscarried at about the eight week mark. Um, and, you know, I, you don't know how much you want something until you're confronted with having it. And, and I... I just, it was a whole new layer to our relationship. It was like, wow, you know, the idea of having a child brings this extra layer of love to my relationship with Micah, because it's like, now we get to do, now all of these things that I feel we're so rich in, we get to share that with a child and like, and, and have that be such a beautiful influence on another human. And, and we all get to do it together and learn and grow. And when we lost that baby, it was like, you know, I, I, I can't sit here and say that it was uh, uh, this period of extreme de devastation. I think our doctor spoke a lot of sense into us very early on and was like, it's almost like a rite of passage. Um, I wish that more women spoke about miscarriage. I wish that more women spoke about how common it is to miscarry and how you can miscarry three, four, five times and then have three children. Um, it is not necessarily something that's wrong with you. It is, um, it is I do sometimes, you know, I, I very much feel like it is a rite of passage that your body is, is, is creating a miracle and sometimes you know, your body senses, um, you know, genetic, uh, almost like malfunctions and sometimes will um, send that spirit to another place so that you don't need to make that decision or it will send it to another place because it wasn't viable. And, you know, if I, if I learned anything and I learned a lot from pregnancy, it's to trust my body and that there is a plan. And it's not maybe the plan that I thought it was going to be, but, you know, to, to just be kind and patient and, and alleviate uh, unnecessary stress if I can, and just hope for a better next time. And so, um, and so we uh, went through it again and um, about a year later and found out we were pregnant and um you know, it was the most eye-opening, joyful experience. I, again, I feel like a lot of times coming into pregnancy, I didn't want to have a baby because most of the stories that you hear are the traumatic ones. You know, the people that had trauma during the birth of the child or almost died on the delivery table or um, miscarried at 25 weeks or, or some, you know, these types of things. And, and those stories, because those are the easier ones to relate to, or those are the ones that people feel more comfortable telling because they're not braggadocious because of how delicious their experience was. Like people don't share those stories out of sensitivity for the people that didn't have that experience. And, and that scared me from having a baby for mm -hmm. a long time. I was like, I'm going to die on the delivery table. That's just what's going to happen. Or I'm going to have a stillborn 
or I'm going to have some, a genetic, you know, scenario when we have the genetic testing. And it's like, I just scared myself from having a child for many, many, many years. And then um, I got pregnant and, and this, and it was, uh, it was a wonderful experience. It was a wonderful experience. And I do think it's worth saying once, you know, on the record that because you hear about all of these nightmares, that doesn't increase your chances of having a nightmare, mm -hmm. you know, just because that's what you hear so much of that doesn't yeah. directly correlate to your luck. Well, it's interesting you say that because right now in this pandemic, we are also holding on to the negative experiences and stories that we're hearing around us. And that lesson is applicable in so many ways. I, like you, feel that if I consider every negative possibility, I somehow shield myself better from it. But it's yes. not the case. In fact, what you're doing is just putting this tremendous burden on your soul. So I... I like to know, I like to hear you say that, you know, and hear your sort of evolution out of that headspace. And you're right. I think the conversation about motherhood is so interesting. You, we all share our own experiences out of either um, feeling like we're trying to help someone or feeling, feeling like, like we just sort of need to purge it. How have you decided what to share and not share about motherhood? Because as you know, it's, it can be, um, a debate what is appropriate to share on the simplest of levels when it comes to social media. So how do you decide what version of motherhood you share publicly? Yeah, I think, you know, if people have been around for my story, it, there has been a dance of two. You know, I think people were around during my divorce. I wrote an article for Thoughtfully Magazine that was very candid and very open and didn't sugarcoat anything. And and so people have been around for divorce and then people were around for a, a, a marriage and people were in celebration of that. People were around for my miscarriage because I talked about it and then people were around for the birth. And so I think what I would like to share is that I think sometimes social media can just be a place of the highlight reel. And I have really tried to show my wholeness. And so when I talk about a pregnancy that was, um, you know, uh, a positive experience for me, people have history. Um, people know that it has come out of, uh, you know, a torrid marriage and it has come out of, you know, after miscarriage. And I think when you just share the highlight reel, it's so much easier to to judge. And I think it's so much easier to not to, to have confusion. Um, and to wonder uh, what other sides live with these people that look like everything's perfect or that, you know, they meet you, they, they talk about their experiences once they've already done all the hard work and you're not there for the hard work. And not to say that you, that anybody, that you owe that to anybody. I don't think that I owe my story to anybody. I don't owe, you know, we're in this place where it's, well, you share, you know, just share everything. And I don't think that that's the answer either. Like you have a personal life in real life. And then you have this alternative reality on social media. And so you can choose to share whatever you want, but based on the reputation that you're going to have on that alternate media, you, you know, should, you should show, I think, a wholeness to you. Mm -hmm. If you can, it makes it more relatable. It makes it more enjoyable. It, it's easier to, um, it's easier to commit to for me. You know, if I just was showing one note the entire time, then that, that would be really sad that I wouldn't be able to connect with my, you know, my friends and my followers in a real way. I, it would only be upholding 
a certain vibe and 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 I, and I I I'm so happy that whatever it was that that I felt comfortable with I think I the demographic of Skin Owl and the off the record podcast is one of vulnerability and mm-hmm. one of I just want to relate to you mm-hmm. um and I don't think people want anything other than that from me personally and so I just feel really lucky to have an audience that welcomes that and wants that and and just wants to be real not anything other yeah, I mean, I really didn't take, I've subscribed to your podcast, but it really didn't take listening to many episodes to feel that from you, which is commendable. And I joked in the beginning of the first episode about the, the um, episode where you talk about getting your period for the first time after having the baby. And I was like, that's me. Like, dude, like you're always, <laughs> you know, when you have no tampons left and you're like, holy shit, my body remembers that this is what it's supposed to do. Like what? I oh, mean, yeah. Your, your candor and your, cause that's the type of people I love to surround myself with and who I think I am. And it's just so refreshing. And I, I really, I commend you on that because it's a difficult space, especially when you're sharing parts of your life to try to decide at what stage you let people in. Like you said, there are moments that, um, that maybe you need to heal first before you speak about it. There are other moments that right in the moment you have to share it. And, um, I just love it. I, I mean, everything that you've said about motherhood in, on your Instagram page as well. I think you put a post up recently right around Mother's Day where you talk about how we choose what to share about our journeys and how you try to take a step back and hear other people's stories before injecting your own. And I, I like that. Oh it's- my God. Yeah. I mean, that's a big thing for me and that's a hard sensitive subject because, you know, <laughs> we as mothers are, it's, it's, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of layers there. I think sometimes motherhood can be clicky, um, in, in positive ways and in not positive ways, especially, um, to those who would love to be mothers. Um, I can imagine looking into this tribe of people. It is, um, it's annoying. Uh, it's annoying. When I was, when I was, wasn't able to get pregnant, I looked at moms and I was like, I hate you all. I mean, yeah, I'm going to be candid. I would, I remember just literally being like, oh my God, I just want to have a baby. Yeah. And all you people are, you're talking about your kids. So yeah, it can be isolating to say the least. Yeah. You're annoying and you're indulgent and yeah. it, it absolutely can be. And so, um, and so if you have the, the gift and the miracle, literally the miracle of being a mother, I think, I think awareness is a wonderful thing to bring to the table where you should not stunt your own happiness and just relate to the people that can't have children. But I think you should lead with sensitivity. And I think that goes to, I think that can also lend itself to, um, to people who are experiencing motherhood for the first time. You know, I wish that I could say, I got to tell my highs and and share my wins and the things that I learned all by myself without looking at a YouTube video or without looking at a blogger that I had a a platform and forum to always talk about that. But unfortunately, you know, and I get it. Like if you're talking to another mother, they're remembering their times with with an eight month old and they're imparting their wisdom on you. And because, because the, the narrative is that if you're a new mom, you're tired and exhausted and you need help from all areas. And it really kind of goes away from the empowerment that you feel as a new mom and the, and the resourcefulness that you have as, as, you know, like we didn't get a baby bottle uh, warmer. We got, um, a thermos that like literally we would just put the bottle in the thermos, like almost like a swell 
type thermos that we would put it. And then the, I was like, this is amazing. Like we didn't do the baby bottle warmer. Like we did this because of our resourcefulness. And, and it's like, there's so much um, innovation that goes into being a new mom that you want to share that. And, and I think that people should hold space for new moms to tell their story and to be active listeners um, and let moms kind of have that shine. Um, and then maybe relate the story back to yourself and share and, and listen, I mean, that's just, I think a hope uh, it's just like a plea for awareness. If you are, um, a mother and you are, and you have a friend who is a new mom to just like, listen and let them share and, and have, and be so excited for them and how that could change the dynamic of that person's life. Um, as opposed to thinking that everybody wants to. Um, relate the com you know hear someone relate the conversation back to them and and I and I I don't say that to be a, a dick I just say that to be you know honest and sensitive and I think that um, maybe more mothers new mothers would want that. <laughs> well, that being said, if someone were specifically asking you the biggest surprise or lesson of motherhood, especially in the early days what would you say? Something, it, it doesn't even have to be advice. It could be something that, like I said, was a shock to you after you had a child. Yeah, I think, um, I think looking back, the two things, I think first, how much intuition plays a role in motherhood. I think we live in a world where people are sharing and there's hacks and there's, you know, use this to make life easier and, and, and employ this. And I think, um, you know, maybe the answer is not the rye method, or maybe it's not eating from this spoon or, or this or that. Maybe it's just like to, to, um, I learned this from my mommy and me teacher, but to wait, watch and wonder, and to just like, look at your child and see the messages that they're sending you and your awareness and your intuitive response will then guide you. Um, and I, and I don't say that fluffy spiritual way. I say that in a very pragmatic, practical way. Like, you know, my, what I would have before getting pregnant, I would have liked to idealistically breastfeed until he was a year, of course. But did I only get to seven and a half months because he weaned himself off of my boob and wanted to start eating from a bottle more? Yeah. And so that's the way that it goes. You know, it's like, to not force everything that you have come to learn about what's normal and really just adopt to your normal. Like what is the best thing for your family? And um, I think intuition is sometimes left at the door that it's like, just love your child. You know what I mean? Like if your baby's crying and you want to pick him up and you don't want to do the cried out method, pick your baby up, yeah. you know, like love your child. And if we could just lead with love, like what effect uh, in terms of soothing and security would be um, reinstated in your child. And I think that's the first thing. And I think the second thing is how much um, time I think I needed after my birth. I think, uh, you know, I agreed to having family come and, and support and stay, and it was done with the best intentions. But really what I needed was um, two to three weeks to be alone. Yeah. And to really learn what it was like and have systems with my husband before I could start hosting and committing to other people being in our space. And I think if I was to have another child, I would say, you know, why don't you guys come in like two or three weeks? Yeah. So get, that your, was get your routines in place and find out what it is you actually need. Yeah. And your hormones are all over the place. And like, you don't want to be like acting out in front of people and freaking out. It's like, you know, you're just, you're like a, 
you know, it's just a very impressionable time. <laughs> and so you just, I think for us, like Mike and I would have benefited from that type of um, hunkering down just as a couple. And then I think we would have been better people to be around. <laughs> yeah. I'm still not, if it makes you feel better, I, I'm still not a nice person to be around sometimes. <laughs> and my oldest is seven. My husband last week was just like, I, I don't know sometimes who I married because the week before your period, you are demon spawn and yes. the hormones. Like oh, yeah. just, the hormones are just next level, which I feel like we could it's a, talk about. It's entirely. a disorder that they haven't yet, you know, discovered yet. <laughs> it's insane. Um, all that um, being said about um, sort of big lessons, practical products, podcasts, anything you like about um, anything products you like that made motherhood easier is what I'm trying to say. And it could be something as simple yeah. as like a passy that Monty likes or like, I don't know, anything that you can recommend that worked for you that people could check out. That's awesome question. It's so funny because Mike and I are always being like, this is awesome. And now let me think. I think um, uh, we, we use the snoo. Oh, yeah, um, I've heard about the snoo. Is that the machine? Which, yeah. And like mm-hmm. at first glance, you're like, oh my God, just put the baby in a crib. Like we don't need all this technology. And I am on board with that. Like we do not, we're not an iPad family. We don't, you know, sit the kid in front of the television and have all the b- bells and whistles. Like we read, we use building blocks. Like this is, it's 1985 here in the Tevlin Golden Grant house. <laughs> but the snoo is the shit because it is, it mimics, you know, the movement in the womb and you get the white noise, which they love. And, um, and it's very e- easy to wean them off. Like you think like, oh my God, my baby's going to get addicted to the snoo. And then he or she is not going to be able to then thrive in a crib. And the weaning off process was really, um, really intuitive and really easy. And it's exactly like there's so much science into it that it's mm-hmm. like, it's all good. Like Monty is now sleeping in a crib 12 hours and was in a snoo for the first seven months of his life. Wow. Oh, that's so what I'm going to ask. Like I how really long did you use it? Seven months is a good amount of time to get out of that. They said to wean your kid off in five months and he had like a Kung Fu grip on that thing. Like he was not, again, going back to the intuition, like, yeah. well, the book says to cat off at five months. But for us, it was like, no, he <laughs> loves it and wants to stay in it. And you're encouraged to, your baby can stay in there until nine months if he or she wants. And so at about seven months, he started showing signs of like, I just don't want to be here anymore. And mm. I want my, I want to like spread out my legs and I want to turn over and all that stuff. And so Um, we, he showed us, he showed us he was ready for the crib and like, didn't want to be in there anymore. And so then we introduced the crib, um, and then he slept and it's like, I, I just wish that I had known more about that kind of stuff that like your baby, even though he's like small and can't do a bunch of stuff, he can show you signs. Yeah. And that's really, really cool. Yeah. Dr. Carp is like a lifesaver. I just, the five S's are just, yes. And you can rent it. Like oh, for people that. that don't, yeah, you don't want to spend the money. Like you can rent it. You can rent it for like 65 bucks or something or 70 bucks a month. Oh, that's awesome. And you can introduce it and use it like that. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of what else. I think everything else is pretty, uh, you know, it's all like gradual, like things that he didn't like when he was a baby. He's now loving, like now he loves that whole Fawn Fawn, which is like the next generation of Sophie the Giraffe and Oh. He loves the building blocks now. Um, he, 
oh my god i have to show this the swaddling i'm gonna make this really we couldn't get down the swaddling like we we did this and we found the easy way to swaddle and then our pediatrician showed us an even easier way to swaddle and it just like wasn't working and at target and i'm sure like you could get it anywhere the velcro swaddles oh yeah were the best just get those like don't <laughs> even do the swaddle don't like try and then the loop here and then the under the arm and all of that like just get the Velcro swaddle from Target and then just do something else with the 30 extra minutes that you would have spent doing the swaddle. Yeah, that's like, I never mastered the art from it. Eventually I just sat them down and just rolled it around them until yeah. it like, and, until I ran out of fabric. <laughs> I was like, now don't move. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going on forever, but I promise I only have a couple more questions. Let's talk specifically skincare during pregnancy. Um, obviously there's ingredients we want to avoid. I want to know what products got you through and how your skin did and any just general advice you could give to any expectant mamas out there for their skin. Absolutely. I think um, to keep it really uh, short and sweet, keep it simple. Keep it really simple. Your hormone cascade is all over the place. You're going to find that some of the products you were using and loving prior to pregnancy don't agree with you during pregnancy. Um, maybe you can return to them after pregnancy, but even so, let's say you were able to keep your entire routine that you were using pre-pregnancy, during pregnancy, you might not be able to use it while you're breastfeeding. So, you know, have some um, expectation management there that like the things that you've always loved and always kept your skin glowing might not be the case during pregnancy. Um, keep it really simple, you know, stay obviously away from the retinols, stay away from the peels, stay away from anything that could exacerbate in any way. I love pure plant oils. Um, I used a lot of products that were um, going to keep me really hydrated and moist because uh, I was very dehydrated during my pregnancy. Um, so our Mackie Berry Whip, I literally used because of the botanical hyaluronic acid morning, night, all the time, just to get that like nice plump quench. Um, I used our body oil all over my body every single night, straight out of the shower. And I have zero stretch marks. I just, I, that is like one feat in itself because before getting pregnant, people were like, I used your body oil literally every day and I have no stretch marks. And I was like, that's cool for them. But I'm like, somebody could sneeze on my skin and I would have a mark. So I'm like, well, that's cool for them, but that's not, and then I used it myself and I was like, shit that's awesome so <laughs> i used our body oil totally unscented um that's also something i would recommend like stay away yeah. from uh, highly your sense of smell might be a little different so you loved before might not be as attractive um, when you're pregnant and just keep it really you know just simple and easy um a nice quenching serum with botanical hyaluronic acid um you know vitamin e um antioxidants um uh and and like a nice face oil at night that you can rub down your neck onto your breast down your stomach down your legs like it's all about moisture um <clears throat> what else i used i love the um they called they're the butt masks do you know Ooh, what i'm talking no. oh my god i, I don't heard right someone now. um if, one other podcast talk about them like natch butte maybe mentioned them like they go on your butt it, <laughs> yes so they're like they're like two little it's one for each cheek and i get them from credo um and they have like oh. a brightening one they have a lifting one they have whatever oh my gosh, and it's just that's like, amazing it's just so cute to just like 
kind of check in with different areas of your body that you can't see. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer and just so, not to look at parts that I can't see sometimes. I'm just like, yeah. Mm. It just like gives you a little bit of like morale. Like, okay, well, I haven't totally forgotten about my butt. And That's so cute. you put, they're like little like sheet masks and you can put them on. I think they're actually, they might even be biodegradable, but I get them from Credo and they're awesome. Okay. Um, and I use them during my pregnancy. Um, and I just use like a natural clear nail polish. Like I kept things really simple with my nails just because the, the, um, the, uh, what are they called? The, I use the ritual prenatals while oh, yeah. I was pregnant mm-hmm. beforehand and during, and my nails were like, wow, like, oh my gosh, grew so long. So the clear nail polish are just like a na- nail strengthener. Right. I just kept it really simple and like not super smelly and just really moisturizing and nourishing and you know tinted moisturizers instead of foundations lip glosses like creamy cheek blushes as opposed to powders like all that kind of stuff was the name of the game i love it oh my gosh so much good information um before we go (laughs) tell us what skin owl is up to any good like tell us where to find you any good promos you're running so people can go check it out and maybe a good starter product too if people um want to try out the line and kind of see what it's about I love that. I say our hero products for Skin Owl are our eye balm, um, our brightening eye balm. It's just called Eye. It's in a pump. It's delicious. You can use it morning and night. Um, if you want a good gateway product that's gonna want that's gonna send you into wanting more, I would definitely try one of our drops. Um, these are um, just face oils for morning and night. There's lavender. There's geranium. There's clary sage. Um, they're all for different skin concerns. So you can check that out on SkinOwl.com. And then our Mackie Berry Whip, um, you mix it into any of our drops. If you're at, if you're like a dew queen where you're like, you're always looking for the dew and the glisten and the glimmer on the cheek and the forehead and down the nose and all of that, like just use the Mackie Berry Whip. Just like, don't just run, just do it. Just try it. You'll see what I'm talking about. Um, and yeah, we just redesigned our packaging for the first time in seven years. So um, this is an amazing time to try Skin Owl because it's colorful and it's bright and it's sustainable and you can recycle it. And it's like, you know, I think it's just a cheery note on your vanity. Um, and we make everything by hand and hand label, hand bottle. I mean, everything is done with so much love. And um, so definitely try Skin Owl. I mean, we can use, a, I can share a discount code if you want for your people. I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you, I'll include it in show notes guys. So just check it out there, but that'd be awesome because I think that'll help people, you know, take the plunge. Maybe we'll just call it sunny. I like that. I love that. I like it. I know. So it's like your name. Okay. I'm perfect. super into that. So then we'll know like where people came from. Just S-O-N-N-I. S-O-N-N-I. And, um, it. It'll give you 15% off everything on skinowl.com. If you guys want to try it, you can always follow us on Instagram at skinowl. I'm behind the skin, the Instagram account. So if you guys have questions about your skin or you don't know where to start, you can totally hit us up through DM and I'll connect with you there. And listen to off the record with, um, with Annie and sometimes Micah, he, he guests (laughs) once, once in a while. Um, you guys have such a good vibe. I love it. I, I, it's good. It's good stuff and it's real. Gosh, we need more of that. We need less aspirational, more relatable. This is just one girl. Yes. So Annie, thank you so much for letting me like bother you about this interview for so long. And, um, thank you for like sharing your wisdom with us. It was so fun. 
Well, thank you for your patience and thank you for everything that you do. You are such a natural and such a pro and I'm so honored to be here. And um, yeah, I just wish you the best. Stay safe, stay healthy, and hopefully we can connect once yes. we all hang out again. We'll be neighbors in Montana or Idaho one day, maybe. <laughs> far, far away. Um, all right, girl. Take care. Take care. Enjoy that little baby. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of 30 something. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Sunny Abata. I love hearing from you. I love talking um, deep things. I love talking superficial things, beauty products, skincare, whatever. I am here for it. And go ahead and give Annie a follow too. She is so delightful on social media. Uh, you will love her little um, anecdotes and reflections on motherhood. She is at Skin Owl, at Annie Tevlin, and the podcast handle is off the record with you on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Yes, that does help so much. I'm grateful if you take time to do that. And I will see you next week with more good stuff. Have a good one.